This is... Wow! What a week. What a week. Politrix. Welcome to an extraordinary edition of Wow, What a Week, hashtag Politrix. It's part two of Up Close and Personal. He's been a standard feature since our entry into this arena, providing clarity into the murky world of political moves and movements. However, it was pointed out that one thing we haven't thrown light on is him. So listening to the requests of many of our fans, or rather many of his fans, today we talk to Potsamuilwa about an interesting, rather compelling subject, and that is Potsamuilwa. So welcome our guest and our subject, Busan Mwilwa. Brother. Thank you, my brother. Thanks for doing part two. Uh, a divine feeling. Yes, sir. Totally. <laughs> so part one, we established that you are from Mushakeng on the east rand of Johannesburg. The west. West rand. Sorry, west rand of Johannesburg. Uh, you were raised by a, uh, a pastor's kid. Uh, you left the country when you were a teenager for military training. Uh, you were a member of uh, Zanin's People's Liberation Army uh, of APLA. Uh, you got into a couple of skirmishes in your days back in the day. Uh, you are also a martial artist. Absolutely. And 94-95, where are you around 94-95? What's happening in your life? Well, um, 94, I think, is the year of the elections in, in South Africa. Yes. I was already working. I started actually... Mm. Waking for the Department of Foreign Affairs and Information. That's what it was called. Yes. Uh, so I served under Peku Bhutta uh, in 1993. T tell us about that period in the history of the country. Uh, which period? 93, 94. Look, I, 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 there was transition in the country. Yeah. And, and there were a lot of people who were in exile and, and some were from liberation movement mm. who were being brought into government positions strategically. So as part of the transitional period. Then I happened to have been one of the people who was appointed into government, uh, uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Information, as I've said. Sure. And then uh, that was 1994, there was transition and change. And uh, I'm proud to say, actually, after Pet Port, you have served under great ministers. Mm. Uh, Mr. Alfred Nzo, the then Secretary General of the ANC, oh, yes, came our minister, yes, yes. Um, a very great man uh, indeed. Then uh, in 1995, then I was, you know, uh, chosen to be, uh, part do the diplomatic training. Mm -hmm. So I did my diplomatic training in 1995. And the same year, uh, 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 95, actually, I was sent abroad to, to Germany as the vice consul. But you also married early. I mean, you were what, oh, yes. you were 23 when you got married. I was, I, was, I was 23 when I got married, yeah. And you're marrying an older woman. She was 32. So uh, my, my ex-wife, first ex-wife, yes. is nine years, almost 10 years older than me. How did you meet? How did you meet? Hey, a, a very interesting story. Eh? Yes. Actually, the, I will never forget the day. It was the first day the people of Tswani were seeing Inkata. Remember the Inkata red pants oh, in, yes. the, in the 90s march? Yes. So yes. Inkata was marching in town on that day in, in February 94. And I was crying, actually. I was standing at the window of my office, crying for my ex-girlfriend who had cheated on me. And, and I was heartbroken. I was drinking oars. I always carry oars in the office in the car. Hold on. So you were literally crying tears. I was crying tears. I was heartbroken. Oh, wow. And, uh, and this thing had happened months before. So yeah. it was still a hating. Mm. You know, and it was February, you know, the love band. And I used to be the red and white boy with this chick. 
But then I'm standing there at the window crying, and I see this beautiful woman running away from the Inkata protest. Oh, wow. Because people started running away into offices and shops yes. when the, the, the demonstrators started marching. And, you know, I felt like Robin Hood. I jumped out of the office, ran. I didn't even take the lift. Ran down because I didn't know where will she disappear to. Mm. And on the corridor, I pumped on her. And that's how I met my, 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 my ex-wife. And uh, we're still friends until today. So what's the first thing you said to her when you... Uh, you know, I used to dress nice as a youngster. Sure. And, and, and I had a ponytail. I, was <laughs> I had a ponytail. So, yeah. so I approached her and, 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 and I said, wow, you know, I can take care of you. You can come into my office to be safe. And she looked at me. You know what she said? She thought Kiliginza. Oh, yes. She said she thought, one, the accent, she could hear that I'm from Jobek. And second, you said, I, this one may be a criminal. Mm. But then she just gave me the number. I approached and she gave me the number. Guess what? She said, call only at night. She get a landline. Mm. And I'm like, at night? Why? It's like, no, 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 just call at night. I'm like, are you a nurse? She said, no, but call at night, Baba. And she left. I didn't call that day. I called two days after, yeah. at night. And uh, only to find out that she was a croupier at Murula San. So, and, and it was landlines. We didn't have self yes, that yes, time. Yes, yes. She was a croupier. And she didn't in. And then when I called, I said, I want Mabel. Uh, they're like, hey, Mabel, here's one of your men calling it. <laughs> how many did she give? <laughs> so that's how we met, but uh, a beautiful person and, and, and a very warm, uh, a good person. So you meet someone, she's older than you, but you start a relationship. You're preparing to go start working um, at the... I was already working at the embassy in Germany. Yeah, but no, at that time, I didn't yeah. know I would go to Germany. Ah, I knew okay. I would go abroad, but I didn't yes. know when. Okay. And, and, and this woman was there in three months. She was pregnant. And then when she's pregnant, she, we get news that she's pregnant. Guess from who? Mm. Uh, Dr. Mutepe. Oh, wow. President Ramaphosa's wife yes. was our family doctor, was oh, wow. my physician. She used to own a, a surgery on Boom Street in Swan, and so she was my family doctor. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and you know, I must thank that woman, she, not only for the pregnant wife, she also completed my health, because that time we had to complete medical forms mm. to be posted abroad. Oh, yes. So she, she encouraged me, she's like, you know what, son, you must do this thing, and, and you must go and represent us there. So she's one of the people who actually aided me to become a mm. diplomat at that time. But it was also a turbulent time for your family, though. Uh, please take us through that uh, time. Uh, uh, it, it was a challenging time. My parents were divorcing. Yeah. And, and there comes Botsang with a pregnant elderly woman or older woman. And, and I'm insisting that I'm marrying, I'm marrying this woman. And yeah. the thing was, are you mad? You are 23. You just had your one-year paycheck and you already want to get married. Is that because she's pregnant? I'm like, no, but I'm in love with her. I love her. And, and let me tell you first, that's one thing. Marrying that woman, it's something I will cherish for life. It's something I will never, mm. ever, ever, ever regret. It was, it was one of the best decisions I've made in my life mm. uh, to marry a promoter, to marry at that age. It stabilized me. Sure. One thing I picked up from the marriage is that while the family was against it, they eventually you know, bought into the story. Uh, but it stabilized me. I, I became stable. I made more money. I acquired properties mm. and things that the 20 something year olds do not do. Uh, and not because of her, I think that's also because of my personality, but her support, 
and being there. Actually, I was the biggest spender in the family. Uh, funny enough, I'm, mm. I was the biggest spender. I was the one spending more money than her, traveling more than her. She was always a homely person, raising the kids, taking care of the kids and studying. So what we did uh, when we arrived abroad, she quit her job. So she took up studies. Mm. She graduated uh, 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 after a few years. Uh, and, and, and I think it was, it was a good relationship that made, you know, or took out the best out of the two of us. What went wrong? What went wrong? You know, I don't like talking about my private life. What went wrong? Look, we, we, in marriage, divorce, we, I, I'll tell you what I said to the judge in court. And, and that's my side of the story. Yes. She did everything right. Everything. She was a good wife, good mother, clean, saving money, hardworking, smart, very respectful. She forgot she had a husband. That's what I said in court. Mm -hmm. And the judge was nodding like you, was like, I understand you, I'm granting this divorce. She forgot she had a husband. She everything swallowed her, uh, and and she forgot about me. And I was I was very you know I'm 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 very I'm very romantic guy you know I'm told oh, you're very neat. I, I'm needy. I need attention <laughs> and all those things. And and I think it's normal. And by the way, I've lost a number of relationship because of me wanting attention. Yes, yes, yes. And actually, my second ex-wife was late, who became the third ex-wife as well. Mm. Uh, one said to me, but son, can I be the woman in this relationship, please? I'm the pregnant one here, and I'm the woman, I'm the one with poops. Can you stop with, please take off my panty? Yeah, please. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's a, that's a very, you know, a, a marriage life. I, I've, I've been very strongly in marriage, and, and, and marriage and family life is a good thing. But then she relocates back here. Yeah. And you and your daughter stayed back in We stayed, yeah. Uh, when when uh, we separated yeah. after three years in marriage. So. Sure. And then when she came back home, we had a son who was four years old. Mm. And then and she came into the marriage with a daughter. But then you stayed with your stepdaughter in Germany. Yes, she was 12 and I stayed with her behind. Mm. To this day, I actually brought up that daughter alone. In, in fact, in fact, when I met her, I thought she was your Gelfry daughter <laughs> until you told me that, no, this is my stepdaughter. Yeah. And I just found it interesting, the dynamic that when the mother relocated to Cape Town, she asked to stay in Germany with you. Yeah. Tell us the importance of being able to relate like that to a child, even if they're not biologically yours. It, it, what it, did you do right? Uh, look, I, I, I love kids. Mm. Generally, I, I love kids. Sure. But this child, when I met their mother, she was eight. Mm. And, and when we divorced, she's 12. And between the age of 12, the only man she knew in her life was me. Mm. You know, she, she, you know, the other day I took them to Italy. We went to, to Venice. Mm. And, and I only realized that time that my daughter has never been to the sea. Mm. She had never seen an ocean or, uh, she has never been to Devon or Cape Town. And, and we, we, we had a bond, we had a relationship, but mm. it was very difficult because we are abroad. I'm in my uh, mid twenties. She's 12 years old. She's getting into the age of puberty. Mm. There's no Rahadi. There's no Gogo around. It's me and this girl alone in, in the middle of Germany. Mm. But there's challenges as well. Me and the mother, we are divorcing, and the divorce was bad. It was very bad. If it was very publicized, even. It was even publicized. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've read that, actually, at some stage, my case was used as a case study. Mm. You know, it was very bad, and I didn't get support from my colleagues. Why was your divorce, uh, divorce as messy as it was? And if... You could do things differently. What would you do now? 
I, I, I think it mainly it was the influence of the outside people. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what made it messy. Uh, mm. the, and, and mainly from her side, because I didn't yes. have anybody from my side who was influencing me. Mm. Uh, but there was, there was a much of interference. People, they were like, you left your job for this man, you went abroad, and now he's ditching you and all that. That's one. But we both filed for divorce. This is another coincidence. Mm. When she returned to South Africa, she filed for divorce, and I was filing for divorce mm. as well. Mm. So we both filed. Uh, she filed in Joburg, and, and I filed in Pretoria. But I, I, I think also it was material. A lot of divorces become very dated because of material. People fight for material and all those things. And, and uh, I think it was also bitterness. We were angry, but the nice thing, the most beautiful thing that she has also ever said, there was no third party. There was nobody cheating. There was no third party. We fall out of each other naturally. Yeah. And that's why I could keep the child. That I said to, even the daughter said, uh, to the mother, mommy, I love you, and I, 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 you, uh, everything to me. But can I stay with dad in Germany? Mm -hmm. She had friends there, and and she was comfortable, and I was happy with her. Mm -hmm. And and I said, look, the child is broken. I don't have a problem with. Mm -hmm. And we stayed. We remained together until I came back home. When I came back home, she still went to boarding school. She didn't go and stay with their mother. She sure. went to boarding school because I went to Rwanda immediately. I was one month in South Africa, mm -hmm. then I moved to Rwanda. Sure. So I put her in a boarding school. And then when I came back from Rwanda, I was going to Brazil. Then I picked up the kids, both our son and her, and we moved to Brazil. So I've always been with these kids. They are my support structure. Okay, so you serve your country in Germany. Yeah. And you return, but now Rwanda is being set up. Yes. So how do they determine where they send whom? Okay. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the foreign service. In the, in the foreign service, you apply. Mm. I don't yeah. know the process now, but sure. in the past, you apply. They, they will advertise the post. And then in the past, you will tick five in, in order of preference. And you will motivate why do you want to go to those countries. Mm. So it was a very smart move. Because the old guys, you know, the whiteies, they tick me to say, where you want to go, don't put it number one. Because you normally don't get your preference for control. So I wanted to go to Germany. So I put Sweden in Canada, one in two. And I put Germany three, and I got Germany. Mm. Uh, but to Rwanda, it's a different uh, ball game. There, there was no South African mission in Kigali. And, and uh, nobody wanted to go there uh, uh, fresh. I was. It was a so called hardship post. It was hardship yeah. uh, posting. But it was also, you know, a few years after the war, the, the, the situation was still volatile. Mm. And nobody wanted to go to Kigali. There's two reasons that made me to go to Kigali. Mm. One, I was coming out of divorce and I lost a whole lot of money. Mm. I always tell people I paid 25 rands for a marriage certificate and I'm not doing that thing again. <laughs> and I paid 250,000 rands for a divorce decree. So um, uh, that's what I paid at mm. that time. You calculate it today, actually, it's, it's, it's millions what I lost into divorce. Sure, sure. So I, wa I was looking for money. Mm. I wanted money. But the second thing is, I was sitting at home, no marriage, no family, and I was a month back mm. until uh, I was called in. I was instructed, actually, to go to Kigali. Yes. Uh, they, it was not an advertised one because you had to open. I had to establish the South African embassy in Kigali mm. from zero. It's said that we, our diplomatic relations with Rwanda have collapsed. You know, I, I, I feel very sad about that situation. But, and then I was given one year. 1.3 million US dollars cash because there were no banking systems. Oh, cash. So you left with a bag of cash? I left with a bag of cash. I had to go to the APSA headquarters to get cash. Commercial flight, 1.3 US million dollars in my hotel room. So my hotel room was the South African embassy in Kigat. 
guess where Hotel Millis Collins is? The hotel where Hotel Rwanda, what you yes, call it? It's yes. called Hotel Millis Collins. And uh, and I was sitting in there for eight months. I was given one year to establish the South African Embassy. Mm. In eight months, I had the flat flying. Oh, wow. Eight months, I broke the record. And I accounted for each and every cent of that money. And there was change. Oh, wow. So I bought properties, bought vehicles, hired staff, established the embassy, hosted President Mbeki on an official visit to Kigali from a hotel room. I was operating from the hotel room. So one room was my, my, my bedroom, then an interleading door was the South African embassy. The flag was there, the photos of the women's star. That is amazing. And all that. And yeah, uh, that's the highlight of my career, actually. But surely Rwanda is also the low light because you didn't leave on good terms there. No, I, 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 I was sad. There was, after all, the mission was up and running, they yeah. advertised the post now for a full four-year term. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to stay. The money was damn good. Mm. Actually, I was the second highest paid ambassador uh, uh, in Rwanda. Of South Africa because the first was was Angola at that time, mm -hmm. so I was earning a hell lot of money, mm -hmm. and then uh, it was four hour flight. I hate flying, yeah. so it was four hour flight to South Africa. But the other thing also, the the because of the terms and conditions, I could fly home every two months. That was oh, yes. when you are, for example, when you are in Germany, <coughs> excuse me, you are allowed to fly home uh, twice a year, or mm -hmm. once a year. Mm -hmm. There it was every two months I could come home. So, but then they said, ah, uh -uh, because of the history of what had happened in, in people establishing missions, you start making it your alpha and your mare and your baby and your spaza shop and corruption starts there. They're like, no, no, now you can apply and choose to go anywhere you want to go. There were 13 other posts. Kigali mm -hmm. was one of them. But then I, I had to leave. <coughs> Sorry. So I had to leave. And then I, when I was there, actually, I was told, no, 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 I can go to Brazil. Because I chose to go to Brazil. You were told you need to go home and learn Portuguese first. <laughs> yeah, so, crash course in Portuguese. So, so, so what does learning Portuguese first mean? So how long did it take for you to... Look, I did the basic course at headquarters. The, yeah. the Department of Foreign Affairs that time, or Delco, it, it has the Language Institute. Mm -hmm. So normally it will take three to, to, to six months. Mm -hmm. I mean, six months you can get a course. Yeah. And, and you attend maybe two, three times a week for two to three hours. Mm. No, no, no. But for me, there was no time. I had to be in the course, do it quickly, almost every day. Mm. Just learn the basics to be there. And, and I have heard that it is no longer a prerequisite for diplomats to go abroad and learn the language of the country you're going to, which is a sad state of affairs. I was going to say, surely it's a disadvantage. It's a disadvantage. It's, it's also risky. It's a security risk. Uh, because your superpower right now is the fact that you can speak more than four languages. I speak 13 languages. Exactly. And I speak German, Portuguese, basic Spanish, and nine South African languages. Mm. So, and that, that is actually, knowing Portuguese has created opportunities for me. You know, even jobs after the mm. it was because of mm. my language. But also, you don't want to go and work in a foreign country in a diplomatic service and you don't know the language because then you may be compromised by the local personnel staff yes. that we hire. You, you must know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it was disadvantageous. So when I got to Brazil, my, my Portuguese was not that good. Uh, uh, it's so sad I couldn't even remember I was singing now. So yes. I could propose, I could look mm -hmm. for a partner and all that. So uh, it took a lot, lot of time. Portuguese is difficult. It's a very difficult language. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but it took longer until I had a girlfriend. You know what they call it? Mm. Uh, a dictionary, the camera. So it's a bad dictionary. 
Until I had a girlfriend, then my language, boom. Dictionary with eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so then you found love again. Yeah, uh, actually, when I was in Brazil, yes, I yeah. found love. I, I dated um, the mother of my son, Botsan Jr. Yes. Uh, I hope he doesn't play for Brazil. One day I want him to don the, 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 the South African shirt. And then we're in a relationship. But it was complicated, the language, the culture, mm. and all of that. So where is he right now? She's in, she's in, she's in, he's, he's with her mother in Brazil. Oh, okay, so that, that, that back home. Yes, yes, yes. But funny enough, the child was not conceived and born when I was there. It was mm. after. I had long come back to South Africa. Ah, okay. okay. And she came to visit. So, uh, uh, Botan is in, is, in, is in Brazil with the mother. But then that relationship didn't last either. No, it didn't last. It and didn't then, And then you And because second? of me. Because of me. What? You messed up? Uh, I messed up. How? I'm not going to talk about that, but I messed up. And then you met your second wife. Then I met my second wife. Where did that happen? When I was in my last few months in Brazil. Yeah. I must tell you this story. It's very interesting. I phoned... Host uh, Lena Mutuele. Lena yes. Mutuele used to be Lucky Dube's manager. Oh, yes, yes. She used yes. to work for Gallo Records. Didn't you bring Lucky Dube to. I brought Lucky Dube. When I was in Rwanda, I brought Lucky yes, Dube to Kigali. Yes, yes. yes. So yes. part of my job was cultural affairs because we didn't have cultural attaches. Yes. So a lot of South African uh, musicians, you mm -hmm. know, Don Laka, Lucky Dube, uh, uh, and many other stars. There was a group called Kutu. I brought them to Germany yeah. and Vusima Sassel and so forth. So I phoned Oslina because we used to talk up. I said, hey, Oslina, I don't want, I'm not calling you for artists now. Mm. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm about to come back home and I think I need to settle down. And I don't, after Brazil, mm. I didn't want another diplomatic post and I was tired. Mm. I had lived in three countries. Said, hey, man, can you introduce me to somebody? And you know, Oslina says, yeah, uh, actually she's right here next to me. And, 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 and change the phone and talk to this woman. And then um, she refused. Yeah. So Oslina gave me the number. We had cell phones that gave me the number. I called her after five days. And I'm like, who are you? She's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Bozang. Oslina gave me your number. She says, you are my woman and I'm going to get married to you. We went into a relationship. We agreed that we are not going to exchange photos. Nothing. We'll meet each other the day I come home. So I came home after like uh, three months. And that's the only time I said, let me tell you fresh. People still think I'm hanged on that woman. Um, uh, I've never loved and I've never been loved mm. like, like that ever before. And sadly, she, we, we separated. Mm. We, got, we got married. I love her. I love her. You know, I can see Mary carrying the wallet in the boot of my car. Yes. Uh, I believe in marriage. I believe in traditional marriage. So I told her I'm going to marry and she didn't believe. Mm. I said, Mommy. Yeah. So my uncle, I'm told, when she went to pay love all in Fos Loras, she had the money in the past, the airline tickets were in an envelope. You know, you had that SAA ticket. Or oh, the folder thing, yes. Yeah, but yeah. there was also an envelope, there's a folder, and, and then she had the money there, cash. She said, you know, guys, the way my son is serious, uh, this money, you can see it even came with aeroplane to marry your daughter. And yeah, uh, we, we, we fall out of each other. Mm. Uh, nothing serious. She just got tired of me. She, I, I got fired from my work. Mm. And then she thought I was so angry that I'm going to kill people or fight or what. And she ran away. But the funny thing is, when I'm in the case of being dismissed from foreign affairs, I get charged at work for carrying firearms in the, in the office. So I went to a hearing and I, I always carry firearms. Sure. Not one, not two, three. Mm -hmm. So... When I entered the building, I had my firearms with me. So they didn't have a safe where we were having a hearing. 
And I decided I'm not going to leave my firearms with security. It's illegal. It's not allowed. So as I walk into the room, they created a story that I'm going to come and shoot people randomly. They created, you know, uh, Dr. Mpasazan Azuma was my minister at that time. It went even to the minister to say, we caught that guy with guns in the building and he was going to shoot people randomly and commit suicide. Imagine the AP me committing suicide. So she brought into that story and we separated. Mm. And, uh, but we got back together uh, years after, many, many years, uh, four years after, we got mm. back together and certainly she was, she was murdered. Mm. Murdered how? Uh, a story that I, I would not watch. She was poisoned. Uh, she was poisoned, actually. And uh, it's a very sad story. And, you know, I, I don't like to talk about that. It, mm. it affected the family, my kids. Uh, our son, because my second son, Oratile, mm. is born from there. Do you know why she was poisoned? I, I, I know, I know exactly what happened. And, and the sad part is when the police investigated this, they interviewed everybody except me. When I had the information, when I even called the cop who was investigating to say I was the last person to talk to that person. Mm. And, and, and she was fearing for her own life and all that. But the police never spoke to me, funny enough. And the judge in court actually said, in the case, uh, when they closed the case, because there was a story that it could have been suicide, and said actually the police messed up that case, and I can tell you the police messed it up. It 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 could have went either way, but you know what I said to her family and to my son: let's let it go, and mm. we won't return her life. Let us cherish what she was, and 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 live better, you know. After it took me almost three to four years to recover. I never had a relationship or what after that. I decided to stay alone. I thought I will never recover, but until my son, who was at that time 14, when the mother was mad at, mm. she was 10, so the child came to live with me. Sure. And when she was 14, she woke up one day mm. and said, Dad, you know these kids? Said, Dad, you know what? Mom is not here, and she will not be here. Mm. Live your life. Move on. I try, I pray, I miss Mom, mm. but live your life. Get on with your life and, and move on. Do you know who poisoned her? I think I know. Mm. I, I think I, I think everybody knows, uh, uh, but we we have decided, you know, to the her family ran to courts, went to the police, mentioned names and things like that. I didn't want to be part of that. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was very close, it was very personal to me. But uh, look fresh, it's it's a story behind me. I put mm -hmm. it behind me, and uh, and it's it's been years now. You know, mm -hmm. in October it will be approximately what ten years. And since that, and then, do we know under what circumstances the poison was administered? Okay, this is from medical records. Yes, and 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 I see that was what also gave me a clear picture. Mm. First of all, you know, when I walked into, she was in coma for a year, for not for a year, for a month. She never moved. She was poisoned on 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 Monday, the 9th of September, and she passed on on the 10th of October. So it was exactly one month, and. Uh, records at the hospital, you know, they had these scans that they put on and the doctors were showing me the other day to say, you see this red thing, it's, it's blood. The blue one is water in your body and the green one is crazy. Mm -hmm. So it was what people call alipirili or organic phosphate. Yes. And it was, it was, they said it went so fast into her system that in less than an hour, four organs were gone. Yeah. And, and it was induced with liquid so it came in a liquid form whether with wine or water or wine but so it, that's why it went it went in so fast 
So it was it was liquid form. So they could see that, and then it it was a very painful. You know, the kids could not see the mother because she was incubated in a in a room because of the level of poison in her body. And and when we go in there, we had to put masks and and you know goggles and all those things. Uh, but it, it was a it was a brutal and, and sad way of of, of killing a person. We always hear about alipirimi and, and, sure, and, and sure. organic phosphate. I actually went to do a research about what is organic phosphate and, mm -hmm. and why does it kill so badly and so forth. But uh, it's my past. It's a, it's a, it's a, I had a beautiful life with that woman. She was, sure. she was the greatest person I've ever met in life. My cousin Puli actually used to say, if there's one woman you listen to in this world, it's that one. Sure. And uh, a soft spot as well. And, uh, last week I was actually laughing, uh, telling Sidi, my daughter, how she is as lazy as the late Mbongeni, because she was very lazy. You know what she used to say to me? When they introduced me to you, they told me you're like a diplomat, you cook, and you, you like nice cars. So don't come and ask me for food. I sit here yeah. as a Zulu, and you must cook for me. I'm not here to work. I'm not here to work. It's yeah. your job in this house. And yeah, a beautiful life I had. Why were you fired from foreign affairs? Why, why was I fired? You know, people must get my biography because I put the whole story there. I must, I must think how I must put this. I was fired from foreign affairs in inverted commas that I wrote UNISA exams without invigilation. So as Lindy Wesley became my ambassador in Brazil, ne? Mm. And, and her words was like, Bhutan, and I was fired for that, that I wrote in these exams without invigilation. And, and I got dismissed 13 years of my life, went boom, into the drain. But that was not the case. Mm. Uh, uh, even when I had proof, material evidence, that I was invigilated and the invigilator was paid and there were other people in the classroom with me because we were writing exams abroad. Yes, yes, yes. And they still fired me, but they wanted me out. I had to go. You know, uh, even where witnesses were called, there's a, there's a part I put in, in my biography mm. where a witness was called uh, because I had evidence that I was invigilated. Mm. And the evidence was what? It was the, the, the uh, sleep where the invigilator signed to say invigilated that day. Even when I had that, they, they charged me to say I forged the signature of that person. Now, a witness was called to say, is this your signature? Did you sign? And she said, yes, I signed there. That's me. That's how I signed. They still found me guilty. So who do you think wanted you out so badly? Look, uh, Fresh, I, you know I'm a thorn in the people in the public service. Mm -hmm. I can't stand corruption at all. Uh, it, it, was, it was a gang of people. It was the, the then ambassador who was very corrupt. And, and I had a case that was coming about him. Mm. But he also had political people at headquarters, mm. you know, uh, that we were reporting to. Uh, the deputy director general was his best friend, and I had to report him to the deputy director general for Latin America. Mm. And, 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 and so it, it was all that problem, and this whole case started there. Mm. It had nothing to do with my work, nothing to do with stealing money, nothing to do with, 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 with uh, 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 you know, deployment and service. It had everything to do with me talking too much. You see, my big mouth always gets me into trouble. I don't mind people being corrupt. They can do it there, but I have a principle as a public servant. You can do your corruption there, in your political parties, not in my office, oh, yes. not under my watch, mm -hmm. and not under my signature. Mm -hmm. I live by that, 
and I have suffered because of it. Mm. I, I cannot stand any slight form of corruption. It, it, it irritates me. It irritates me. Mm. And I don't keep quiet with corruption. I report it. Uh, you know, President Mbeki sometimes in 2002 uh, issued a statement that if, if, if people are corrupt and you know about corruption and you are quiet about it, you are equally corrupt. And mm. I live by those words. Yes. And I said, I, I, people can do what they want to do, but not under my watch and not under my signature. So in uh, your book, you talk about your time at the Tabumbeki Leadership Institute. Yes. But you also say a lot of non-flattering things about uh, President Tabumbeki. I, I, you know, uh, the viewers must get life with a question mark. Eh? Yes. And I think this is, this is where I told the story. Mm. And this is the platform for the very first time in my life. I'm going to talk about what actually transpired there. Yes. I, I was not talking, and if you read the book, you will see the truth. Mm. I was not talking about uh, what Tabumbege, non-featuring, whatever you call it, stuff. It is not me who said that. I, I caught a corrupt ambassador paying for prostitutes in Brazil oh, wow. with government money. Mm. Now, you see, once you mention the word prostitute and diplomacy, uh, those two things, they tend to go together. Mm. And it got excited because when this came out, these prostitutes at that time, they were said to be translators who were hired to translate for President Mbeki, who was in transit in Brazil. Okay. That's how the story came about. Oh, okay. So the line item was translators. Trans the line item was, remember, as the head of corporate services. But so, they were translating something else. But, but well, I, I don't know what they were translating. Allegedly. Uh, but what, what, I, what actually made me to come to a conclusion that these people are prostitutes yeah. is because of what transpired with that payment. So I'm head of corporate services. Mm. Uh, I must do each and every payment that goes out of the embassy. I must sure. sign it off, okay? Yeah. And when that happened, the third part is when that incident happened, I was in South Africa. Mm. I knew President Mbeki. We spoke about the flight clearance uh, uh, earlier on last week. Mm. I knew President Mbeki was flying to Haiti for the centenary celebration. Mm. And then to fly to Haiti, you must stop over uh, in Kwasi. What do you call that aircraft? In Kwasi or in Kansi, the presidential aircraft. Yes. It was brand new. It, mm. Its first trip actually was to Haiti via Brazil. So I did all the arrangements for the president to, to get transit, and everything went well. Mm. But on the stopover in, in, a, in a city called Bele, in, in the north of Brazil, it's four hours from Brasilia, the capital, to fly mm. to Bele. So he did a stopover there for Rufuel in two hours, what, what. I came to South Africa on holiday. It was December. So I came to South Africa on holiday. Actually, my son was, was actually born that year. That's why I came home on, on, in December. I normally don't celebrate Christmas, but my son was born on the 23rd of, 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 of December. So I was home, and suddenly I see on TV there's a shooting in Haiti, and President Becky's chopper with President Aristides involved in that. I'm like, oh, wow, thanks. It's not in Brazil. But returning to the office, you know, uh, I always tell people, the universe, you know, it, it talks to me a lot. There's this gentleman who owned a, what do you call it, a travel agency. Yeah. Walks into my office, was a very respected guy in their community. Mm. Very wealthy businessman. He walks into my office, he never comes to my office. Said, hey, Mr. Putang, my payments, my payments, I'm like, I will. So why are you here? Why do you want your payments from me? My team is there, what payment? Said, no, your ticket, you went to South Africa. Your other colleague went to, to Rio. 
uh, officially, and then the, the, the two translators. Now it's not on the flights. It, how does it come? It comes as the ticket, the accommodation, and the stipend, because they have to be paid for translating. Yes. So the plane comes that way. Innocently, I asked my team, why did we hire translators uh, to, for the ambassador to go and meet President Mbeki? What were they translating? Exactly. What, uh, what, I asked them, was there a program maybe in Belém for the president? Maybe, maybe there was a program. They are like, no, there was no program. I'm like, okay, translator. Where was the official translator? Because at the embassy, we have an official translator. Mm -hmm. Where was the official translator? Uh, uh, the ambassador had said to me the translator was on leave. That's why he had to hire services from outside, outsourcing, mm -hmm. which we normally do. Sure. But the second person who acts as a translator becomes the ambassador's social secretary because they speak English very well. They become a in absence of our official journalist translate. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Then I discovered that uh, the journalist translator was not on leave. The secretary of the ambassador was not, was not on. They were there. You see, that it raised eyebrows. I'm, I'm trained to, to, you know, well-trained to can investigate cases of fraud and corruption. And I went back to the ambassador, I said, ambassador, I've got a problem, I'm not paying this. Because I'm told uh, 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 these people were in the office. So that man, uh, a voice bigger than yours, never screamed at me like that. I'm mm. questioning my mother, are you questioning the president? What? Go and pay that thing. So my mistake was, okay, these guys are harassing me. Then I write to headquarters, Nkuseli Afleni was my DDG, was my line manager from mm. headquarters. I write to him, it's like, oh, but you have a problem. They sort it out. <laughs> sort it out. Don't, don't. Hey, this thing is serious. Do you want to question the president? Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not questioning the president. But I had questioned the president before. I had questioned President Mandela before mm -hmm. with Grasa Marshall. I'll tell you the spot. Yeah. So I'm like, no, no, I'm not questioning the president. I need to pay. And it's a huge bill of something like 10,000 reais, which was like 40,000 rands at that time. Mm -hmm. I want to know under what allocation am I paying these people? So when I play, he says, do what you can do. It's your job, it's your office. I decided, okay, I'll push things. I write to Reverend Chikani, who was the DG in the presidency. Mm. But when I write, I ask for allocation codes and a motivation why President Mbeki wanted translators. <laughs> I've never been in such trouble in my life. But as I write it, I start hitting it, because you know, I still have that letter, actually, it's in, in, mm. it's in the book. Yeah. I write, and I copy every word, you see, and, and I say to Reverend Chikani, who's the DDG in the presidency, I also need to know what was President Mbeki doing with translators in the middle of the airport in the middle of the night. Yes. So I had that question. And <laughs> President Mbeki, I've discovered that he didn't have a program in Brazil. Yes. And President Mbeki is speaking Sochu and Tosa. He's meeting with the South African ambassador who's speaking Sochu and Tosa. Yes. Why do they need translators? So I asked those questions. Ah, that was the end of my career. Just like that. Yeah, but, but th that's where the charge of UNISA came in now. Yes. So, so what's they never responded. Uh, the presidency never responded. But it went so bad in the rumors within the corridors of the union building mm -hmm. that uh, 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 monies of the embassy were spent by President Mbeki. And how did I know this? You see, now when you are harassing me, you make me think more. Yes. <clears throat> so in Brazil, prostitute gets registered. Mm. And remember, these people have names. So I had the intelligence attaché and the police attaché in the embassy. I'm like, guys, can you run these ladies? 
And they come out, they are called professionals, accompanying to professionals, yes. which is a professional companion. So that's why they are called. So they are the ladies you can book. And yeah, that's right. yes. you know, yeah. right. and, and then these guys found out that, and yo, I blew the whistle. I spoke. I'm like, I'm not going to sign and pay prostitutes with state expenses. Mm. And that got me into trouble. But it was a principal decision. I put my foot down. Mm. Yes, I lost my, my clearing career and, and, and all that. But it's okay. Uh, at least I was not found wanting. Mm. As the, and I done it. Like I say, you know, when I was in Germany, this is a very funny story. I thought about it uh, last weekend. President Mandela. Now, now, there I was very immature and naughty. Mm. President Mandela was divorcing with uh, Mama Winnie. Yes. So we all love Mama Winnie. Mm. And now divorced. So President Mandela watched all. And now uh, my boss in Germany, I'm the vice consul. The consul is a white woman. You're afraid to pray. Yes. A nice person. She comes to my office running. And butan, butan, butan. I, I call President Mandela on the phone. I'm like, hey, man. It says he, born, you know, a white woman, blonde, is excited to be speaking to the president. And, and Madiba, being a gentleman, mm. all he was asking for, because we're in Frankfurt, Mekrasa Machelle was on transit from, from South Africa via Frankfurt to Spain. She, she had a daughter who had an eye operation in Spain. Yes. So every other week or every month, she would fly to Spain and stop over. So she had a four-hour, you know, time in Frankfurt, yes. you know, there. So the, Madiba was asking the consul general, please, man, can you just take care of uh, uh, my oh, girlfriend? Of my person. Of my person, yes, yeah. Sir. So the consul general is excited. I mean, I the protest. I'm like, hey, that's not the official spouse of the president. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> and actually, she was asking me to go and meet Mama Michelle with my wife. Yes. Uh, uh, and have dinner with Mama Michelle. Uh. I'm like, madam, I can go and meet Mama Michelle. But we are not paying for that dinner, for my kilometers. We are not paying. I'm not paying for that. She looked at me said, but the president has requested. I said, I do not care. Look, it was personal and it was very personal to say, oh, my mama shall show you, mama will eat dinner. So I'm not going to do that. So, but I ended up going. Yeah. My, my, my wife uh, 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 then said, look, we'll pay for the dinner for my mama chef. Mm. And the consul general says, she will, said she will pay out of her pocket for the petrol for me to go. Yes. In the, mm. You see, that's a principle. That's a principle because it was a private matter. My people was not saying we must use state resources to yeah. take care of the unofficial spouse. We were just asking for courtesy. Mm. And we did the courtesy. We had a nice dinner, very brilliant woman, uh, very brilliant mm. woman. We had, so, so those are some of the things that get us as public servants into trouble. When you refuse to do even a little thing, because fresh, if you steal 100 rents, it will be 100,000 next time. It is a bill on the other time. Why did you not fight for your diplomatic career? No, no, I did. I, I did. We, we went to court, but my health was collapsing. Mm. And my resources, it was very expensive. You know, these people use state resources so to do you fight you. Do you think you were deliberately tied up in a court process because one day it would, it would exhaust you? It would exhaust me. Yeah. Now, look, I know somebody at Derrico now who they've been appealing, one his case, and they've been appealing it for three years. Yeah. So it affected my health. It was hitting at my pocket. And, 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 and I was single again during that time. Remember now, I'm fired, you know, and there's no you know, support structure and all that. And, and I met a very, you know, that was a wake-up call. I met a very young, smart woman from Cajiso, Londiwe Musito. Mm. Sorry, and, and when she first she learned that I'm a Buddhist, 
and she, I'm unemployed. Now, a woman who accepts you, you know, when you are broken, unemployed to somebody is very special. And then she said to me, why don't you do your jujus and your hands and go away, leave these people. Uh, go to the temple. You know, she bought me a, a, a sponge, like a pillow mm -hmm. that we sit and meditate on. I still have it. I, I closed everything and I left everything. Mm -hmm. I packed bets and I was at the Buddhist temple in Brooklyn, prayed for three weeks. Mm -hmm. I came back then, I called my lawyer, Mike Mbada. said, Mike, I'm not pursuing the case. We are not going to court. We are fired. I'm not pursuing this case. I'm leaving these people. And, and that, was, that was a great move, Fresh. Uh, uh, after that, my career blossomed, actually. Uh, yes. I think I achieved things, mm. uh, and, and I, I, you know, I became a better person than sure. I would have stayed in the diplomatic uh, life. September National Imbizo, what is that? Okay, the, the, the SNI, the September uh, uh, National Imbizo, was yeah. Black Consciousness Pan-Africanist uh, uh, formation. Sure. Uh, it was a think tank, actually. There are people from the, the Pan Africanists and the PC branch. It is actually a front runner or the forerunner of of what used to be called the Black Sesh. Yes. And then uh, Anthony Taba and, and many other people, they formed it around 2010, 2011. Mm. And then, it, you know, it was a group of Pan Africanists and PC people who were sitting there who were writing articles talking about. Uh, black consciousness and, 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 and teaching people about black consciousness. And so what inspired that all of you come together? And how was this, if at all, a precursor to the formation of the EFF? Look, what inspired us, it was our politics and writing. Yes. And, and, and there were people there who were artists, there were people in there who were, who were poets and all that, and mm -hmm. from all over the country mm -hmm. when the SNI was formed. I, I joined it after it was formed. I was not at the formation of the SNI. And then, uh, uh, why, how did it inspire the EFF? In 2012, and I always tell people, EFF was formed long before 2013. Mm. The, the, the talks were on the side long before yep. Julius was fired from the EFF. There were people on the side from the about the formation of mm. a new political party that yes. is Pan Africanism and Black Consciousness inspired. So, so it happened that uh, Andile, as the leader of the SNI, then moved to join the group of people who were forming the EFF. Mm. And then we had to go to the elections to elect new leadership of, of the SNI because Angela was very busy that side. Mm. So then I became elected as the deputy leader of the September National Imbizo. And, 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 and we then decided at that time to say, can the SNI become the political brain of the EFF? Mm. The, the, I can tell you that the, the initial constitution of the EFF was written by an SNI member. Mm. The, 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 if you look at the manifesto of the EFF, the founding manifesto of the EFF, it is actually a Pan-Africanist Black Consciousness Manifesto. When it, yes. it, 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 and it has our footprints all over. Mm -hmm. So the SNI was behind that. You know, mm -hmm. Andile solely wrote, actually, the land part of the EFF manifesto. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, 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 and, and that's how we ended up being in the EFF and in the formation of the EFF. Mm -hmm. But during that time, Julius gets dismissed from, from, from the, uh, ANC. The, the ANC, ironically, by Cyril Ramaphosa. And, and as the people were sitting there, people like Wunufuno Gogo and so forth, they were sitting there and say, but hey guys, who has numbers? Who can lead this, this movement? And, and, and at some stage, it was South Africa First Party, South Africa First, all those, we were looking for the name. And Julius gets fired, and then they get, and they engage. They go and they meet with Julius to engage mm -hmm. Julius and say, look, we are having this thing that we've been cooking on the site. And there were a lot of ANC Youth League members 
we have, we have been cooking on this side, but it has been Africanism and PC people inside. Can we talk? And then we, we, people can go and argue and scream about what they want to about the formation of the EFF, but that's how juniors came when the formation was already. So the EFF at that time, it needed somebody who's vibrant, who has followers, and, and Julius is a political animal. He's mm. damn good when it comes to politics. Mm. And it was the obvious choice to say, let this boy mm. run with this thing, and we will do the ideology in the background. In so background, all yeah. SNI members, we were deployed into the EFF as political education commissars. Mm. So I was the political education commissar for Swanee South region, and others were all over. So we wanted to educate people yeah. regarding Pan-Africans and Black questions. That's why people always said, wow, this EFF, you know, is talking Pan-Africanism. Even some PhD people started trying to say the EFF stole their Red Beret and their manifesto yes. and all that, because mm -hmm. Apla Beret, they were, they were Red Berets of Apla mm -hmm. forces. So, you know, some of us were accused to say, hey, but you took Apla ideas and PC ideas into the EFF. Yes, I did, but it was not still. We're looking for a new political formation, yes. young people, youth, and, and yeah, that's how the EFF mm -hmm. was born. Andy Lem, Tama's um, exit from the EFF, could things not have been done differently? Look, I, I'm, I'm Angela's my brother. Yeah. I'm, I'm very close to him. I, I, when it, what would now, I don't think it was going to wait a pressure. Mm -hmm. I, you know, Angela is like me, he's very principled. He's the guy who will be prepared to lose anything under the sun mm -hmm. for a principle. Mm -hmm. You know, people say principles don't pay bills and what. It was not going to wait. He's so beyond. We thought Julius is, is different from the Julius of the ANC Youth League. We thought so. But there's nothing different about it. I got into trouble. I wrote to Darling Pofu at some stage to charge Julius, you know, to say, let's charge Julius for this conduct, this behavior, and what, what. But I knew I was wasting my time, mm. you understand? Mm. And, and Andile, I, I knew Andile was going to leave, and he yeah. was not going to go backwards. Mm. And it started at the elective conference uh, in, 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 in Bloomfontein. I was sitting next to Andile. It's like the famous TV when Andile was crying at the conference, I was sitting next to him and I took him out there. But also, his life was threatened. You know, the other day he, he joked and he said, one day he will tell the world how I saved his life twice mm -hmm. because of my intelligence operative. I, I, they were going to kill him. Mm -hmm. I ended up, ended up being like Andile's bodyguard, driving him, running around. In Cape Town, when he was chased by people, somebody was put in a bus, was supposed to step Andile in Cape Town. And I told wow. him beforehand that Somebody's in the bus, he's coming to Cape Town, and this is the name of the person who's going to step him. Oh, wow. And so, so things were, were seriously bad. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he decided to leave, but I think it was principle. He, he based it on principles. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that, look, things would have been different if Anita was still in the EFF. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they know the truth. But, uh, you know, Pan Africanists and PC people are very principled people. Africanists are very principled. Uh, if we look at the PhD, it's not to say it's a bad organization. Mm -hmm. It's it doing bad in politics. It's because they are not going to compromise. Oh, yes. So, you know, yeah. They are not going to sell their souls. They are not going to accept money from white capital. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's part of the, the politics. So, again, I always say to people, we must differentiate between politicians and revolutionaries. Mm -hmm. And I regard Andy as a revolutionary. He's not a, he won't make it in politics, trust me. He will, he will not make it. Because of his character and principle, I will not make it. I love politics, but I will never be a politician. I will not make it. You, you have to have an element of dishonesty mm. to be a politician. You have to be a lawyer, sure. and you have to be good in lying. Mm. I'm not good in lying, you understand? And, and I'm very principled to, to can stay in politics. Running for a political office, then I must steal money to can fund my movement. Mm. That's mm. not going to happen in my life. Sure. 
you've been without employment for almost a year. Right. Actually, I, I've been home for more than a year. Okay, I was suspended, but I was dismissed. You were, again. yeah. Uh, it, it's eight months. You were fired for writing a book. Let me drink water. Or were you fired for writing a book? How did I, how do I put it? You know, this book, Life with a Question Mark, has got me into so much trouble. You know, I must start selling it. <laughs> it must, it must, it must start putting money and thanks for our show. Yeah. Uh, the sales have gone up now. Uh, so good. people are buying from as far as Kimberly. That's amazing. People are ordering. So, yeah. So, look fresh. I, and again, uh, funny enough, this week, I, I call it a death week. You know, my cousin, and I'll answer your question. My cousin, the fence, wrote to me this morning and said to me, don't die. You know the rule. Uh, you stay home, you don't go out and eat out, you don't take your car for service. Mm. It, it's, it's, it's how we live. And I'm like, because I'm not even sleeping in my house. Uh, I don't have money to take the car for service. I'm not even driving my own cars. And, uh, and uh, I will not meet any woman this week. Mm. Friend, even my partner, I'm not meeting any. What is it about this week? Uh, uh, as when the viewers will be watching this interview, uh, I would have come out of the CCMA uh, for my case at work, uh, uh, for my dismissal from work. Mm. That's one. Two, it's the first time I'm sitting and talking in public about why I was dismissed from my employment. I've been quiet about so it. So where were you employed? Uh, I was employed in an agency of the Department of Transport, okay. uh, the cross-border transport agency. I was there for 12, 13 years, mm. 12 and a half years of my... So this number 12, I must learn that when I hit 12 years, at an employment place I must run because I get fired after every 12 years. Yeah. But uh, also, I'm going public on this. I know why I was dismissed. I, there, there's two, oh, there's two sides of the story, or three sides. You know, there's, there's their story, there's my story, there's the truth. Mm. So this week is the week I'm going public, not only in this platform, but there'll be a print media of what actually transpired at work. It has nothing to do with my firing, but I know it is the cause of my dismissal. The unofficial paper, it's so funny. I was put on suspension on the on the 5th of May. Mm. 5th of May, 2022. 2022. 2022. Yes. I was put on suspension. I woke up, went to work as normal. We were starting to go to work almost every day now, three times a week or something like that. And the CEO calls me and says, uh, come to my office. Then he gives me, uh, he was suspending and firing a lot of people. He gives me a letter and said, hey, yours is different. Uh, but there's allegations that you are not qualified, you don't have qualifications for your post 12 years after. And also you have a criminal record that you didn't declare when you were employed in 2010. You're like, oh, okay. Take this letter. I come out of COVID, I've been home every day, I'm lazy. You put me on suspension, I sit at home. So I devised four plans. I said, I've got plan A, B, C, and D. Plan A is I will cooperate. I will let the process run and I answer. Now, every time they ask questions, I answer. They change the charge. So I move from being you are not qualified for your job to say you don't have qualifications. Then I prove that I have qualifications. Then we move from there to say you didn't declare your criminal record. And I show they actually have records on my personal file. Because when you are employed, employers run MIE process to mm. check your criminal record, your qualification. They have it on file. So what's the record for? That I had a criminal record, I assault, common assault, I had assaulted a person before uh, 2006, actually that already been expunged. They said he didn't declare. I'm like, I declared. Then they changed the charge to, to say one of my criminal records. 
it was pointing of fire up. Again, assault. And I work in a very volatile environment with cross-border taxis. Therefore, I'm a dangerous employee to can work with taxis. Imagine. Then, then the charge change. Then I get charged for, in the middle of a year, they keep on changing. My charges were changed eight times. Mm. Then I get charged for being a wine connoisseur. You know, I, I teach people about wine. I like talking about wine. My friend uh, uh, oh, is a co-owner of coffee. I go there on Sundays. I talk about wine. But as pleasure, as a hobby. Mm. I even have a YouTube channel where I talk about wine. I get charged for that. To say I'm doing work outside work that I didn't declare. But that's not work if you are not being paid for it. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. Mm. You know what I said to them? I said to them, my COO is a pastor. If they give Sunday collection, is it his money? It's mm. not. You understand? The other person is doing something. It's a hobby. Another person is a football coach. Another person is a DJ mm. at work. They, they, it's a hobby that they do. I'm not. Then they, they, they go and they, they, guess where do they investigate? Social media, they go to my Facebook and they go to my Instagram and they see a flyer that in 2017, I launched, this is 2022, May. In 2017, May, I launched my biography, the, the first edition of this book. Mm -hmm. These people go and say, in 2017, May, the 16th of May, it was my birthday, I launched a book in Swami and people paid 350 rands to come to the launch. So it is business. I made money out of that. I bring proof that no, I had a production company that mm. I hired. It was the book, it's about me. I'm the subject. The money didn't come to me. I bring proof that no, 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 no. I didn't get money. People paid for the dinner because there was a dinner, three course meal dinner, a welcome drink, and a free copy of the book for that 350. And the money didn't come to Buddha. Mm. Then they changed the charge and say, I am, I'm selling the book. Yep. I'm like, no, 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 no. The book is written by Dr. Moss Nashanaiti. His company, Moss and Moss Production, mm. he's getting them. He brings proof from Moss that mm. this guy still owes me. So Dr. Nashanaiti still owes money for this book. They charge me. Now, Now, as they, they, they go through the charges, they page this book. And if you look on the first page, I stated that this revised edition of 2019, mm. it was co-published by my company, Winello Management Solution and yes. Moss and Moss. Okay? Mm. That's what I'm fired for, for co-publishing this book. But, but then they said, now the charge becomes, I'm dishonest. I have a company that is publishing books and I did not declare it. And I said, but I declared. I actually declared that company in 2018 mm. on the declaration forms, but I'm on suspension. The forms are in the office. Mm. Allow me to be in the office to bring proof. They're like, no, we can't find that form. And they still dismiss, so you can't find my declaration form. And they base it in 2019, I didn't declare my company. Mm. Because in 2018, when I published this book, I discovered that my company is deregistered okay. for not being on business from 2006. So I had already written here to the printers, mm. trying to use my company. Then I realized that my company is deregistered. They even went fresh. The employer went to bring evidence that my company is in its final stages of deregistration. I'm like, why should I declare a deregistered company? Mm. It's not making business. Yeah, but it published the book. You wrote that book, it published the book. So I said, but what harm did I do then? Mm. Let's say I did it. Mm. Let, let's say my company published this book. What harm did I do yeah. to the employer? You are dishonest because you've got business of publishing. And I got dismissed. There's, there's a, a deregistered company, mm. a company that I declared in 2018 that 
I'm no longer going to, to, to declare it in future because it's, I discovered it's mm -hmm. deregistered. Mm -hmm. You lose the form, my data. You have all the forms for all the other years. The most important form, you don't have it. And, and, and all that. So I had like nine, there were two judges. Mm -hmm. They changed. They became four, five, six, nine, seven. So I end up with seven charges, cleared of six, and certainly for being a publisher and a writer and an author, uh, I get dismissed. So what's the... But I'm challenging the matter. And, and look, I will win this matter hands down. Yeah. I'm going back to work. I, 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 I don't want any payment or compensation. I want to go back to my because it was unfair either. Sure. So what's the real reason you've been fired then? Corruption. Mm -hmm. I was sitting with a punch. And, and let me tell you, it's so sad because it's going to get a lot of people into trouble, especially the board of cross border. Mm. The person who accuses me for not being qualified and for not having qualification, mm. as I'm sitting at home, now I'm idly and I'll dig fresh. If I want some, if, if I want to know something about you, I will dig, I will mm. dig. I can tell you, if you want to know where's your girlfriend now, what is she doing, I can tell you sitting here. You know, I said that to some commissioner of the CCMA mm. to say, Commissioner, I can tell you what President Wattpad ate last night. And he thought I was joking. I made two calls and it's like, who are you? So I started digging. Mm. Say, but why this? I know why they, 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 they were fighting. Like I said, I can't stand corruption. So you sit in the office, you are being asked to chair various uh, supply chain uh, management committees, uh, but, you know, tender mm. processes. Mm. And I realized, but this tender processes, this is not right. So what I do is I don't fight. I started excusing myself from those churches and say, no, I, don't, I can't see this and all that. Mm. That's one. Two, we, we are having a stand-alone entity. That is uh, uh, self-funding. Uh, the the, the CBRT doesn't get money from government. We make millions. Every year we take money back to, to, to treasury, to give treasury money and all that. Mm. So people started seeing this as a kitty where they can put their hands. But you know how do people steal in government? Yeah. They start creating uh, 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 jobs and tenders and cases and all that. Mm. One of the things that they've been stealing money on and I'm, I'm going to prove to that it's illegal fees. They will hire lawyers and pay them exorbitant fees for, for the services. You know? My employer, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book now. Actually, I'm just waiting for this case to end. I'll be mm. publishing. I've written the book. My employer at some stage spent 1.1 million for me being absent from work for one day. I actually called the book a million for a day. But it just picked it up. They confronted me. Nothing happened. Right now, I can tell you for my dismissal now, and when I was on suspension, they spent 1.251 million on legal fees to get rid of me. You know, I used to have an. A, a well, hold on, so you missed work for one day? One day. And a bar was spent in the process 1. of that? 1.1 million. So, so, so if we follow the money trail, are you saying that legal fees might be X amount and then the rest goes back? The rest will go by. That's what they do. You understand? Mm. Yeah. They're, uh, uh, and these lawyers are also corrupt to us, and, and, and I can tell you. How do you go and spend 1.2 million on an internal disciplinary hearing? Mm. You hire two law firms. One is the prosecuting, one is the presiding. Where is the money going? Why so much mm. money? Yeah. Uh, you know, they think we are very stupid to do this, but I've been quiet about this. Mm. Now, what is happening? Because I did not want to influence my, my labor court process. Mm. I didn't want people, you know what they say in government? They will say, ah, that's a disgruntled employee. Like mm. when I publicized the story of uh, prostitutes in Brazil. Mm. Uh, the foreign affairs spokesperson that time, only Mamwepa, may his soul rest in peace, issued a statement and said, no, that's a disgruntled employee who was dismissed. So I didn't want them to come and say now, in the last mm. few months, that uh, 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 
uh, is a disgruntled employees. So these people, they go to an extent of paying, because I've given some of the stories to media. They bribe journalists, they bribe media. You know, I, I discovered that actually the CEO who accused me for lying about my qualification, lied about his qualification. He lied about it. I discovered that I have all the documents. Mm. And then I give it to journalists. After the JRA CEO, that week, I wanted the media to come and say, another transport CEO lied about this qualification. They're stepping on it. Mm. The board does not want to use it, so I'm going to release that information now. Mm. Because when you lie as a CEO of a government entity about your qualification, you lie to parliament because you get appointed by parliamentary committee. Mm. You lie to the board, you lie to the minister, you lie to your staff, and you go and you accuse people that they don't have qualifications. You charge them, you dismiss them, you demote them, while you yourself lied about those qualifications. Mm. I'm not going to take this that I'm going down. I am going to work. It's, uh, I've decided that 1st of August, I'm as a report for duty. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm going there and do my work while I'm getting paid for. I, I don't want any settlement. I don't take money that I didn't work for. So will, will there be back pay? Are you demanding back pay? I'm demanding, I'm demanding, no, I'm demanding my back pay and I'm yeah. demanding my job. That's it. I'm demanding my job. I told my lawyers, they tried to say, let's go. I'm like, no, I don't want money. I'm broke. It's, you know, you know, first, let me tell you, uh, being dismissed from work, it's a very painful thing. This has given me time to, to, to reflect. Mm. Uh, there, uh, there were three incidents that hit very hard at me. Mm. One, two days after, two days after my dismissal. I was dismissed on a Monday. On a Wednesday, my daughter, the last one, she had tonsils. And I use, I've got eye implants, so I use drops. So I went mm. into the pharmacy to buy uh, eye drops and medicine for the child. And the pharmacist says, hey, but son, you know, medical aid is cancelled. You are not telling me. Two days. Yeah. And, and I don't know how. I still have to check discovery up regarding that. I don't know how because we pay medical aid in advance. So if I get dismissed on the 21st of November, I'm still covered for the month of November. Yes. And we get paid on the 20th. So mm -hmm. I paid even the December charming. Mm -hmm. That's what. That was very painful. It hit hard. Mm -hmm. The second part is I was preparing to go to the CCMA one day. <laughs> I'm sitting there. So I'm, I'm now representing myself. I can't afford my lawyer, okay? I'm sitting there waking in my, at home, and the light goes off. So I go out, because where I stay, I don't get looked shady. So I go out, and somebody, now there's three cars outside. Somebody's also knocking. So I'm like, I'm coming down. Now it's the city of Tswani coming to switch off electricity. It was still uh, a postpaid. Because I didn't pay, I don't know. Then it's a sheriff of the court by my lawyer to come and demand his money. And then uh, the other one, it's a sheriff uh, uh, from another court for public health. <laughs> Jeez. Now I'm sitting with two sheriffs and the city of they're switching off. You know, I tried to beg those guys, say, afraid I'm preparing for a case, I'm going to court tomorrow. Man. Don't switch off. They're like, hi, Baba, Nancy Pepper, Fallon, switch off left. I signed these sheriff papers, accepted them. You know, that was painful. But months went. And uh, you know, when you work, it's not yourself and your spouse and the kids. And I've got a grandmother, I've got my mother, I've got my siblings, my kids, my dogs, and myself. On all those are dependent on me. Yes. So this has impacted this whole lot of people. And I woke up one day and I asked my mom for money to come to your show, by the way, for petrol. Mm. This is the woman for over 20 years I've been giving money. Mm. 
I had to ask my own mother for money. But let me tell you how you and DJ's book gave me a lease of life. And I survived. Eight months, no income. Mm. I'm disposing properties now to be able to survive. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not mm. going to beg. I'm not going to step back. I'm prepared to lose every little thing for justice. Mm. And I'm going to fight these people. You know, I've got a cousin who works for, for, for transport. And, and he owed me a very sad message. This is somebody I worked with and I trusted. And he owed me a sad message. He said, Jimmy, you and I'm trying to, you talk too much. You know they were going to come for you. Don't fight the system. Mm. And for that, I'm going to fight the system. Mm. I'm going to take these guys up with everything I have in hand. And that's plan, plan B, to fight the system. Mm. Plan C is to get to these people's personal lives and check what have they done. They, do, they live in class houses in their probably stores. So I'm going to cut them off mm. one by one. Mm. But one day, I think it was our first episode, you know, that changed my life. Uh, you will remind me. My, my, my conversation with Zboo. With DJ Zboo. Who said he got to New York. He got to New York, yeah. And realized that his mental health was actually, he was suicidal. Bruh. But he, he didn't really realize it until he got to New York that I've not been living. I've not been living. You know, I was sitting in that room mm. when Zboo was saying that. Yeah. That was a varan club for me. That was a wake-up call. And I realized that day, I think that's February this year, I was not suicidal, mm. but I was on the verge of killing people. Right. I, 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 I'm a trained guerrilla. Mm. And when Apla, and I've said it in your platform, when Apla was trained, we, we had cells. And these cells were, were, were formed in a style of the Palestinian style. We copied Hamas, mm. small cells, and we operated like Hamas. During that time, not from Apla, from Hamas, I learned something. Mm. Hamas has a saying that when, when you live in hell and people make your life hell, there's no need to continue living in hell. You must depart, leave this world. But just make sure, mm. one thing, you take those who put in hell with you. Don't leave them. And I was, when we was sitting here talking, I was planning every day and the mother of my daughter who also came to spend time with me because she was unemployed and things like that yeah. and she saw me going down and she said to me you know Butan, i've never seen you driving around with a sword mm. in your car no guns and i've never seen you watching such violent movies and all that you know fresh i was plotting to assassinate people mm. and i was going to do it not to commit suicide mm. because you have made my life hell. Mm. My kids, my dogs. Mm. And, 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 and to an extent that I was even planning to go to their kids, their families, mm. their spouses, because of what they put me through too. But Boo, talking about depression and what he was going through, he actually made me wake up that I am actually trending on dangerous lines. Mm. I'm doing some, I'm becoming something that I am not. Sure. And I said, I'm becoming vengeful and all that. And you're a Buddhist. And, and it then, goes against everything. Buddhism. Everything was against. And I, I, what did I do? I went for meditation. You know, again, Buddhism saves my life now. Mm. Uh, I started meditating, you know, I, 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 you know, religiously. So uh, last week when I left the studio, I told I'm going to my grandmother. You know, uh, I told my grandmother only last week that I'm unemployed. I don't have money. That's why I'm not doing things the way I used to. Mm -hmm. And 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 she asked me for what, and I told her it's like monarchy. Uh, you know, don't 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 let the devil get into you. Kick the devil mm -hmm. and place God in front of you. 
But those are some of the challenges that, you know, one goes in. Like people, when they look at Bozang and Fresh in the studio, mm. uh, uh, people see glamour. People mm. see this guy lives well. He's always in a jeep and, and he's living a large life. But it, these are difficult times. They will pass. Mm. Uh, and you, you gave me a list of life. You gave me a reason to wake up mm. and say, Bruh, let's run with this platform. To wake mm. up. And you don't see the things you do for people. I last week watched. Uh, uh, a week before you spoke to Connie Ferguson, mm. I watched the show where you spoke to uh, uh, who's the black Zulu girl? Pell Chusi. But when these people talk, you can hear an element, you know, uh, uh, in, in people's life of something you can take, a leaf you can take mm. from people and learn from them. Zbu, Connie Ferguson, and, 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 and again, I, I'm a great fan of, of comedy. Sure. I've realized comedy is therapy to me. So when there's comedy shows, I do attend, I laugh, get home, have my wine. As broke as I am, please, people are still donating some wines. I'm drinking my cellar out now. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yesterday, uh, you know, he was like, Papa, these bottles, they are, they are, you didn't pay juice with the appel again. No, I'll refill it. Uh, uh, yeah, Butsang is a very good cook. Like Butsang, you can't touch him in the kitchen. And I saw your wine cellar. You still have a lot of bottles. <laughs> no, that's, that's less than 50 bottles there. That cellar can take up to 2,000 bottles because it goes to your That's less than 50 now. Yeah. Lockdown consumed my wine. And being home, uh, I really need those bottles. Would you say you are radical and sometimes to your own detriment? I've heard people saying so, and and uh, yeah, to it's 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 in the nature of radical people, uh, mm -hmm. stubborn, radical, assertive. Uh, it's sometimes to to my detriment. Uh, we learn in life, you know. I I sit back and when I look at some of the things I've done in my life, I, I could have done them differently. But some of the things, uh, I think it was to my to my to my disadvantage. You know, uh, it, it's so it's so funny that. Things that I think I'm principled on, they get me into trouble. Mm. But then, does it mean I must I must do away with the principle? And I have, I'm, I'm caught up in between that situation. Mm. I always tell people that a stop sign, it's a useless, that gray and, and red thing, actually it's not even white, it's gray, you know. Mm. That gray and reflective sign, it's useless without a pole, because it will be on the floor. Mm. So that pole, it's a principle for a stop sign. And, and I think... My, my principles get me into trouble, make me lose marriages, make me lose jobs, relationships. Uh, but but, but it's, it's, it's my pole. It's what I stand for. Mm. As long as I don't offend or hate people, then I'm comfortable with what I believe in. And as, as long as I don't hate or offend people, then I'm okay with that. Mm. But if, if, if I will do things in a sub... And when we age, you also start doing things differently. Uh, you know, subtly. You know, road rage, I tell people, I will never be involved in road rage. Never. In the past, I've had a lot of stepping the car, looking, getting out, pointing fingers at people. I will never do it now. Not because I've seen somebody being shot recently, but for years, and waiting for transport as well. I, there's two things. I don't enter into, into, into road rage. I don't drink and drive. I sleep wherever I had consumed alcohol. It's a principle I've taken. Uh, uh, because of, you know, learning in that, it's not worth it. You know, I used to drive a 180, 200 kilometers per hour. In Germany, we had autobahns. Now I was sitting there pushing a golf 240 kilometers per hour, and I come to Mzanz and I must go to 120. You know, you know how much that damaged me. It had to be a phase for me 
to know that when the road is open, does not mean you must step on it. Mm -hmm. They're going to work for transport. I can't be seen on road rage. I can't drink and drive. I can't be arrested for such things. Mm -hmm. Stay away from problems. Stay away from, you know, criminal activities. Sure. I had a criminal record because I black-sent the policeman years back who was very rude to me and all that. And, and 10 years of my life. It, it actually, I got charged after 10 years for that criminal record. So where I can avoid things, I try my level best to, to avoid. Sure. And then to stay out of trouble. Mm. And there's a lot of therapies I use. I cook. I, 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 I use cooking as a therapy. Sure. I love cooking. I sit and I see receipts on what, then I said, I'm going to do that thing and I cook. So it's part of the therapy. But um, my life has been and changed a lot over time. Uh, and, and this platform, the One Word a Week platform, I've got bigger, you know, vision about sure. that. And, and I think it will bear the fruits. I just want to clear these legal things and my work issues. I still wanted to serve the government. I had given myself five more years until 55 to continue working. Then I was going to retire. But I love what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I love my job. You know, uh, uh, yesterday I recalled an incident at work where just all over the news where the taxi operators of Lesotho and South Africa, they once closed Maseru Bridge. Mm -hmm. They closed it, they took trucks and parked them there for days. And my CEO said, you know what? You are in charge of border management. Can you go and sort that, open that border? Mm -hmm. I took a friend of mine, a colleague, uh, Ronald Stillman, the late, and we went to Maseru. As we are approaching, Ronald Stillman is approaching Prani. He says, hey, my brother, I have a certain man's go and deal with them. I mean, uh, I'm going to sit and do some work. So he takes his laptop. He sits in an office of a home affairs official there. Mm -hmm. And I walk towards those people. You know, I, I don't know why did I think about this yesterday, but it's pride. Now, there's soldiers and policemen. This man had closed the border of two countries. There's no trade and movement. And I look at, so as I walk towards them, the soldiers come to me and say, hey, hey these people are dangerous. They're taxi operators. You can't talk to them. I'm like, uh uh, I'll talk. So I walk and I approach one of them there. And he says, my brother, I can quality in Now I want to go and visit my maternal grandparents in Lesotho. Can we open this border? What's your problem? Then they tell me what's their problem. I'm like, is that the problem? Okay, I'll solve your problem. Mm -hmm. I'll work on it today. Let's open the border. And like, okay, fine, go and have lunch, we'll open. As I was sitting there, open lunch, I fooled myself like the border will open today. ENCA and televisions are all over. The border is still closed. I'm like, this border will open today. They open the border and that's right. I stayed at Maseru Bridge with the Deputy Director General of Transport, uh, Mr. Clavisa, until 3 a.m. Sitting at that bridge, negotiating and talking to us until 3 a.m., begging and saying to these people, this is not how we are going to resolve this thing. You are making your own children, your own families to suffer. Yes. You see, stakeholder relations is my speciality, mm -hmm. and there's those kind of engagement, and I miss that. I, 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 I miss being at the borders, resolving these issues, yeah. uh, developing corridors and all that. And that's why I'm saying I don't want any money. I don't want anything. I want to go back to work and let, I will go back let to work. Me go back to let me go back to work and do what I'm trained and I love mm -hmm. doing for my country and for my people. So that has been the story of my life with work and profession. Uh, wrapping up, if there's one thing you could do differently in your life that you've lived so far, what's the one thing? Different. I love my life. I'm not happy with the way my life went. Mm. There's one thing I would do differently. I'll talk less. <laughs> then you'd have kept all your jobs. 
I would I will talk less. Uh, uh, but look, it's in my nature. It's, it's a character trait. I, yes. But in, in behavior patterns, it's I'll look at the marriage part, the relationship. I think I, I've decided, and, and I learned that from my dad when I divorced the first time. Mm. And, and I didn't practice that. I would treat and women and conduct and behave myself differently in a relationship. Mm. These people are special species. I will not argue. I will not call to order. I will just let them be themselves because it doesn't help to put my foot down. You know, I'm a military-styled person, and and you don't deal with women that way. You know, you you let them. Uh, so I think if there's one thing I will change if I get married again, which I think I want to, let me just get a job. In uh, I, I, I've met her. I believe me, you marry her. <laughs> <laughs> so so I I I I think if I get married again, I'll conduct myself differently in a marriage and. And in, in, in dealing and living with this person, it's mm. going to be very difficult, but there's something I want to do different. Yeah, there's a lot to unlearn, but you're willing to walk the journey. I, I'm, I'm willing to walk that journey. Yeah. Butsan, you're an incredible uh, man. Um, I've been watching your work from a uh, distance. Um, so the fact that I've been able to now work with you and get into your mind every week, uh, you're an incredible person. And, and, I'm, and I'm hoping that your case... Um, by the time this goes live, hopefully you'll have won at the CCMA. Yeah, no, by the time this goes live, that will be done. I'll, I'll probably be waiting for yeah, the decision, but, but it will be behind me. But, but I think the country needs more people such as yourself who are principled and uh, look at, but is it for the good of the collective before the individual? And I'm hoping more people watching this will learn from you. I hope that, so. That, yes, principles don't put food on the table. But, you know, if we carry on like that, to what end do we carry on? Exactly, exactly. And they make me sleep. You know, being principled, being honest, and, 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 and being also uncorruptible mm. makes me sleep well at night. Sure. Uh, and I always tell fresh, I tell people, I will never be corrupt. Mm. Never. Mm. I stayed in a hotel room with millions of dollars of government money in a country where there was no quotation, there was no receipt, you buy cement, there's no receipt, and I accounted for that. Mm. You understand? So, so, so that's how it's supposed to be. People should not clap hands because I behaved like that. I, I am supposed and it's required. Expected of it. It's expected as a public servant. There's a code of conduct we live with. Um, I'm certain there'll be a part three uh, to discuss the new book after this one, but where do we get a copy of this book? Okay, the copy of uh, uh, Life with a Question Mark, people can get it. Uh, they can write to me on botangm at gmail.com. Okay. Or they can WhatsApp to 082-485-9100. And that is the business number. So uh, now they can order it from all over the world. We send copies. And it is still on lockdown special. You know, my book, people said it was expensive. Uh, Dr. Mashamaita was very expensive. Uh, it was selling for 350 That's the price it was going to. But since lockdown, I put it on 250 on special. Sure. And I'm keeping that special with free delivery in Houghton. And then uh, if you are outside Houghton, you will cover the cost of the courier, which is approximately 100 rents. Great stuff. Buzan, thank you very much. Thanks, my brother. Thanks for your conversation. And uh, that was an extraordinary edition of Wow, What a Week, live from Amp Studios. Uh, shout out to Africa Podcast Network. Pezul works for the cinematography. Otis the Flo Fraser for all of our audio imaging. And our special guest, or rather, more special than usual, Buzan Mudimwame Muilwa. Shout out to our creative director, Kuvesh Mohan. And our show producer, Kilizumutisa King. 
Email us, please, at waw at africapodcastnetwork.com. Remember to tell your friends, to tell your friends, to tell their relatives, and to tell their grandparents and their rakadis and uncles and aunts to subscribe and spread the word. Have a great week in spite of yourselves.